Mindfulness Mode 386. We breathe like 70 to 80,000 times per day, and very few of those breaths are we ever paying attention to. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. As always, thanks for joining us here on the show. Great to have you with us. And we always appreciate when you subscribe to the show. It helps us out. And you probably are here because you care about being focused. You care about mindfulness. You want to become more grounded. Well, I have recorded another new meditation not too long ago, and it's about awakening with focus. It's about getting started in the morning. So many of my uh, listeners emailed me and said, could you record a meditation that will just help me be alert in the morning so I don't even need caffeine? I don't even need coffee. So I've recorded this one, Awaken with Focus, about being alert It's about feeling invigorated, fresh, and dynamic for the day. It's all about bringing out your vibrancy so you can feed those around you and be the energetic person you desire to be. You can download this free guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash awaken with focus. Awaken with focus. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have a yoga expert with me today, and we're going to be talking all about mindfulness and yoga. I have Sarah Bristow with me today. Hey, Sarah, are you in mindfulness mode? I'm ready. All right. All right. Well, Mindful Tribe, I want to share a little bit about Sarah with you. Sarah is the founder of Growing Grounded a health and wellness practice leading individuals and teams to develop a strong foundation for professional and personal growth. She specializes in yoga, mindfulness, and meditation as a way of life. A nationally board-certified health and wellness coach, Sarah has 300 hours of yoga teacher training experience, and she holds a Master of Arts in teaching. So I have some things in common with Sarah because I'm a music teacher, of course. Sarah's creative approach emphasizes whole body wellness, and she helps clients of all ages practice this as a way of life. So, Sarah, what does mindfulness mean to you? You know, when I think of mindfulness, I my sort of... The word that always comes to mind for me is awareness. You know, I think that the root of all of the work that I do with my clients and even with my own work I do with myself is just becoming aware. Cause I think that's the first step in, you know, starting to understand yourself and understand where you are in this world and understand how you connect to others. So just sort of becoming aware of, of your place and, and where you are and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Right. Well, that's a good definition. And, you know, mindfulness does mean different things to different people. But I understand you were a first grade teacher before you started your business. What was it like living a day in the life of a first grade teacher? Did you practice mindfulness then? You know, I did. That's actually kind of where it all began. Um, I started teaching yoga in the classroom. So started teaching yoga to these little guys and they loved it. Um, and you know, as I sort of continued my professional development and learned how to really teach yoga to kids the right way, you know, I always tell them it's more than just gymnastics, you know, it's about your breath and grounding yourself. Um, 
So before when I was just teaching them sort of more the asana side of it, the physical component of yoga, I realized that that was really building their energy up. So, uh, you know, the next thing to do was to bring their energy back down, to bring them into the moment. So that's when we started, um, you know, I started doing different breath exercises with them and we called it mindful moments and we would just breathe together or even just go outside and, and, you know, have a moment in nature and just sort of connect with our five senses. Um, and so as I kind of continued to do that with them, we ended up doing a little, um, a little broadcast through the school TV station called mindful moments. So we really started to have fun with that. So I would lead them in basically like a guided mindful moment, which was just a little bit of breath work here and there or a little activity that they could do, you know, if they were testing or depending on, on what they were doing. And that really, you know, kind of, kind of took off. And I realized through that that the best teachers are those who practice the actual practice themselves. So I feel like it's that point when I really started teaching the kids how to be mindful and how to connect with their breath that I really had the aha moment myself that this is working and this is powerful. And just like I'm watching it bring my kids down, it can bring me back to this grounded state as well. Well, that's a great observation. It definitely makes a huge difference for teachers. And I think it's wonderful. Those children were very fortunate to have you as a teacher, Sarah. What happened that you transitioned out of becoming a teacher? Because you seem like such a perfect person to be a first grade teacher. Oh, I appreciate that. So I was teaching, um, and I really feel like, you know, I uh, my, my sort of journey with all this began um, in probably about 2014, 2015. And um, so I started bringing the mindful moments in the classroom and I started teaching more kids yoga. I got 95 hours certified to teach kids yoga through a company here in Atlanta called Grounded Kids Yoga. It was very you know, heavy into meditation for the kids and the breath work. So, you know, next thing I knew, I had parents coming to me and saying, my kids are absolutely loving this. Would you post something after school or would you see my child on the weekend or after school? So I started saying yes to more and more of that type of thing. And, um, you know, I would see kids for like a series of five sessions and just work with them based on what it was that they need. Some of them, it was, you know, how to cope with anxiety. Some of it was more social skills. Some of it, it was more how to stay connected to your breath as a means to sort of keep your energy in balance. Um, and so I started working with, um, you know, with the kids and then I realized that in order for this to really be successful, I needed the support from the parents. So I started bringing parents in every fifth session and I would say, will you sit in on this session or can I have a session with you by yourself so you can really see what it is that we're doing. So through doing that, you know, I had parents who were saying, this is really amazing. You know, can I set up a series of five or six sessions with you? And I said, yeah, of course you bet. You know, so I launched Growing Grounded in the fall of 2015. And that's when I really, um, you know, I was still teaching and I was building this business on the side. And I really used that entire year to develop and see where this was going and see if this could be, you know, a career leap for me and really use my elementary school classroom as a playground for this. And my school was so supportive, you know, it didn't get in the way of my, of my teaching. If anything, I think it supported the kids with their academic learning. Um, and you know, I was very transparent about everything. Um, so by the end of that school year, you know, I'd made the decision that I think I'm really kind of onto something here. And I'd met with 
you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, educational consultants, therapists, and sort of pitched this idea of really building mindfulness in the schools. And everyone was like, this is something that we need. And there's no one really doing this here in Atlanta. I think you're onto something. So I took a huge leap of faith and I didn't sign my contract to go back to school the next year and continued to build the business. And it's just grown, you know, over the past couple of years in so many ways. Um, I, I don't know that I saw myself teaching as much yoga as I am now, but it, that just sort of, you know, comes with it. Cause I think for some people it's pulling in that physical piece that allows them to access the mental and emotional component of mindfulness. Well, tell us about yoga. Why is yoga important for us? I think that so many people, including myself in the beginning, think that yoga is strictly the physical practice. And there are so many great benefits you can get from the physical practice. But I'll never forget that one of my mentors early on, she said to us, you can meditate and not do yoga, but you can't do yoga and not meditate. And that really stuck with me. And I was like, oh, there must be more to this than just the the physical practice. So, you know, that I started to realize more and more that when you're linking your movement to your breath, you know, through every pose that you do, you just become more in the moment. You become more wrapped up in exactly what you were doing and, and nothing else. And so I started to really be able to practice that. And it's when you can practice that on the mat that you can then transfer that into your life and you're able to, you know, be a little bit more in control and you can use your breath to ground you and use your breath to help you access some of these thoughts and emotions that sometimes feel so overwhelming when really just some deep breaths is what can pull you down and bring you back into that that better place describe the first time you ever did yoga yourself what was it like for you so you know i think i think it was really an evolution like i think a lot of people walk into a yoga class and what they want is to say wow, I'm enlightened. Like that was it, you know, yes. to some extent I was maybe thinking maybe that would happen to me, you know, but I really started to do, you know, I started to do more and more yoga, but it wasn't until after probably close to a year that I really feel like I had that, that moment of realizing that there was so much more to it than just the, the physical practice. So I think during that entire year, um, you know, I just got to be more in touch with, um, you know, how I was feeling and, and being able to listen to, to my body and being more aware. You know, I was a cardio girl for so many years. It's like if I didn't run six or seven miles before 6.30 in the morning, the day was kind of lost on me, you know. So then to move, the shift to move away from that and into this more of a peaceful place was really a, um, it was a mindset shift for me just to say that I'm listening to my body and this is what I need. Um, sort of halfway through this journey, I was um, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And so that really forced me to take a step back from a lot of the, um, a lot of the fire within me and start to sort of bring in more water, which I look at yoga as more of the water, like sort of the, the yin and the yang. It's what started to, to sort of balance me out. And that's really when I started to see the benefits of it, when I realized that if I was feeling super amped up and super frustrated or anxious about something or just overwhelmed, if you can go into a yoga class and you can hone your focus in on that mat and what you're doing for an hour, when you walk away, life still happens, but you might be a little bit 
less reactive. You know, you might take that little pause before you say something or before you do something. And I think that that's the benefit that I saw of yoga. I started to see that creeping more and more into my life. And not to mention physically, it just feels so good on your body. It just stretches and, and moves you in ways that really complement running and cycling and all these other things that we do a lot of. So do you teach meditation as a separate entity or do you just include it with your yoga? So I teach a kundalini yoga class. Um, I teach a lot of vinyasa and I always start my vinyasa classes with a tune-in, which is, you know, three to five minutes of breath work. Um, Because a lot of times people say, oh, I can't do that part. You know, it's like, well, you can. We all can. We just have to practice. It's all a practice, right? It sure is. But but then, um, you know, once a week and then sometimes more frequently than that, if I'm teaching private kundalini, um, I teach a kundalini class, which is the yoga of awareness. So that uses mantra mudra focus and meditation as a way to connect with sort of your your highest self so that is um you know there is some movement of the body involved but it's more of um that's more meditation based right i see well i want to go back to what you said about having type 1 diabetes how did that work out have you kind of gotten it under control have you i mean i would think somebody that is as physical and exercises as much as you would have a real head start on that yeah i control it pretty tightly you know my doctors sort of joke they're like our only concern with you is that you're going to run us out of our own job you know because uh-huh. you are pretty diligent with with your management um There's a lot with diabetes that you can't control. You know, you can't control your blood sugar. You can eat the same thing every day, day in and day out, and your numbers would still be different. So learning to give up that control was really, really hard for me. And I think that that yoga sort of helped me be able to give up that control. It made me prioritize a little bit more and realize that there's a lot of things that happen here and there that we can't control. But what I know I can do is, is take control of my breath in that moment. And by doing that, these other things have a little bit less of a grip on you. You know, they don't feel so overwhelming when you can focus in on what you need in that given moment and truly answer that question of what it is that you need. And so what about mindful eating? You, you're probably very careful about what you eat and when you eat, that kind of thing. I am. Um, So December will be the one year mark where I've eaten pretty much a strictly plant-based diet. And um, Mm -hmm. that's been, you know, that kind of comes back to that control piece. It's like when I can, uh, and I've gone through lots of different things where I really high protein, I've eaten no carbs, I've kind of done all these different things. But the basis of my diet now is whole foods, you know, eating foods that are not processed, maybe minimally processed, but really whole foods that nourish your body. And I do think that being mindful of what you eat and how you how that makes you feel, that's definitely, you know, part of the part of my my platform. Because I think that sometimes we we eat the same thing time and time again because it's just kind of what we're used to. And we don't even ask the question, does that really satisfy me or is that really what I want? You know, just this morning I was eating um, you know, really simple. I had some sliced up banana and some apples and I put cinnamon and all sorts of nuts and some seeds and stuff on and I was eating it and I was like this is so good it's exactly what I needed right now like it's it's satisfying all of my taste buds you know so I think sometimes we just forget to ask ourselves like is this does this really taste good and that's when we start those bad habits that that are mindless you know we're not putting any thought into it we're just consuming 
Right. And sadly, so many of us get used to those products that have so much processed sugar in them, like granola, for instance, can be a very healthy product, but with, with so much processed sugar, then it's not as healthy as what you were just describing that you ate. So I think it's wonderful that you're so mindful about what you're eating. Now, I want to talk more about the teaching that you do in mindfulness and in, in yoga. Do you go into businesses and corporations and places like that to teach? I do. Um, it really started with going into schools. So I was, schools would contract me and I would go in and work with their high schoolers or their faculty and, um, you know, lead them in sort of understanding the difference in mindfulness and meditation. Cause I think so many people use those two terms interchangeably because they, um, you know, maybe don't know what, what the difference is, but you know, really communicating that mindfulness is a way of life, whereas meditation is more of a, of a formal practice. And there is some overlap there. But um, so I would go into schools and I would work with their high schoolers. And it was just so interesting to see how receptive high schoolers were of, you know, how to become more in tune with yourself. So working with kids, working with adults. And then from then, you know, my corporate client base just has just sort of grown. And also I work one-on-one -on -one with with clients and so they might say hey can you come in and speak to the group that I work with um, and just through other sort of networking opportunities I feel like I've um, engaged with more and more corporations and a lot of the corporate companies that I work with you know they're high stress environments and so you know they're like we don't have a lot of time for this if we can give you can you come in for 30 minutes and pack a punch you know so it's like I got to get in there and I got to get them grounded and I got to lead them through an experience that's going to leave them wanting more. And I very rarely have I ever had a client say, that just wasn't, that just didn't really resonate with me. Like if they'll just give it a try, most people say, wow, that feels amazing to just close your eyes and connect with your breath. You know, something that you do, we breathe like 70 to 80,000 times per day and very few of those breaths, are we ever paying attention to them? You know, so when people say things like, oh, I don't have time for this, or I don't have time for that, you know, I try and help them to guide them to find just like a little piece of time where they can commit to something that works within their schedule and see how that, you know, affects them. And I'll follow up with them. And, you know, a lot of clients will say that really makes a difference. Even just three minutes of, of breathing or just three minutes of you know, without my device near me really can have a big impact. Right. And so when you go into some of these corporations or schools, how large are the groups? Are you sometimes with very, very large groups, like two or 300? Or are you always with smaller groups? It really depends. I mean, I think the largest group I've ever spoken to is probably about 200 or 250 people. Um, and, you know, I like it to be really interactive. Like, I like people to raise their hands and ask questions and you know, put themselves out there. And in a group that size, obviously people aren't really as willing to do that. So when I have a group that size, I really do try and lead them through an experience more of like a guided meditation um, and then stick around afterwards and let people come up to me and ask questions or follow up with me. Um, but then when I'm with a smaller group, which is, you know, depending on the, how they're set up and who can come on a certain day, um, you know, it might be more of an interactive session where we'd have more question and answer, more dialogue. So really it kind of just depends on who the crowd is, you know, wh what the space is that we're using, if we're inside or if we're outside, um, you know, and some people want yoga involved, so then we're on the floor and it's really informal and that's a great way to do it. Um, so you just try and work with, uh, work with what you have 
not force anything and allow people to sort of come around to this on their own. You know, because what I learned, I think that it was probably working with the high schoolers that maybe really made me see this clearly is that you can't force them to do anything, but if they come around to it on their own, then they can be really powerful for them. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, I, I do a lot of that kind of thing myself. And I, I noticed that I remember a lot of the stories of individuals who come up and talk to me after or email me after. Can you share a story with us about someone that you have helped transition into a life of more calm and less anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something that comes to mind immediately. I was working with um, a high school and um it was a friday afternoon and it was a group of seniors it was may and it was like 70 degrees on a beautiful atlanta day so everything that could have been stacked against me was against me on that gorgeous afternoon so they came in at 3 15 i had 30 minutes as soon as that bell rang they were gone for the weekend so you know i led them through this guided meditation some were more engaged than others but at the end of it this girl raised her hand and she said to me can you walk us through what your day looks like and how you actually put mindfulness into practice in your day? And I was like, wow, that's really, you know, I felt like that was so insightful and and so interesting that she wanted to hear about that. So I sort of told her that, you know, I'm a mom, I have two kids, I have a business. So to say that I, um, you know, my meditation does not happen at 6 a.m. every day, I wish it did, but it doesn't, you know? So I was very transparent with them and telling them, how I fit it into my day, how I start my day, like what my morning routine looks like, whether or not that's with my meditation, and then how my day ends, which for me is more consistent than how it starts. And, you know, she sort of acknowledged, um, you know, that she appreciated the conversation and, and the bell rang and off they went. And I got an email from her less than a week later and she said, thank you so much. She said, so many people stand up and tell us these things and try and teach us to do these things it doesn't seem like they're actually doing that doing it themselves so by you really honestly sharing this story made me realize it doesn't have to be a certain way it can look different for different people and that's like one of the biggest points i try and communicate is that it's not one size fits all and that you have to find what speaks to you as a mindful moment that makes you feel good and once you find that you know then you can kind of build on that but you just have to start somewhere Oh, that's a great story, Sarah. Sarah, tell us what your own children have taught you about mindfulness. You know, people say, oh, do your kids love yoga? And they, you know, they do, but I've never forced anything on them. Um, My son's in first grade. He has a very calm, very mild personality. Um, And so I think he's taught me that, you know, that's a great way to be. Like when people describe him, they're like, oh, he's so calm. You know, he's so sweet. He's just So, um, you know, he never really overreacts or gets overly frustrated with things. And so a lot of times I remind myself that like that, that he's doing, I need to be practicing that as well. You know, it's because it's easy to get wrapped up in little things with your kids. I was actually just talking to my husband about that this morning is that there's these little sponges. They're so impressionable, you know? So I think that he sort of continues to teach us like just to be calm and to, you know, handle the situation, think things through before you respond. Um, and then my daughter's four and she's real different than he is. She, um, you know, she loves to hop on the yoga mat and, and play with us and do different poses. And for more, it's, for her, it's more kind of like, look at me, look what I can do. You know, so she almost tests us a little bit more. So 
then that piece that we've learned from my son about being less reactive, we really put that into practice with her. Um, and even just some simple things like reminding them to, um, you know, think about it at the end of the day before we eat things that we're grateful for and just kind of those little practices that you can weave in, I think are so important. And I think sometimes when you have kids who are, um, you know, they're so young that they being mindful is more, it's easier for them. Like their, their vision isn't clouded like ours are, you know, so when they're teenagers, check back with me on that and I'll let you know if everything still seems like, you know. <laughs> really easy but I think the foundation for mindfulness is our five senses and that's something that the kids um, you know they're still really tuned into that they can be in the moment and so to look at them and to see the joy on their faces when they're doing something really simple or just connecting with each other without distraction just reminds you that you know all you need is love it's so true. Yeah, it's great working with children for sure. I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a long time. And I wonder if you have a story, Sarah, about bullying, either when you were a child or in your adult life, something where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think that again, you know, mindfulness, allowing kids to become more aware and and be you know, take get, take that little bit of space before you react, you know? So if they can, if, if, a, if a child can breathe a little bit before they react or before they say something, um, you know, I think that, I think that's a huge lesson in itself. I had a little girl one time who, she was a third grader who I was working with and she was so sweet and we connected from the start and she got locked in a bathroom at the soccer field one time and, uh, her mom realized what had happened and got her out and she was smiling. And then when the mom opened the door, she was smiling and her mom said, what did you do in here? And she said, Oh, I pulled out my hand and I did starfish breath. And so she had just sat there breathing, fog, tracing her hands, which is something I taught her very early on. So here she was locked in a bathroom and rather than crying her eyes out and panicking, she connected with her breath. And I, you know, that's another one of those stories. That I'm like, I'll never forget that. You know, that she is incredible. Really used it when she needed it the most. <laughs> what a great story. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Mindful Tribe, in case you, uh, you just tuned in, this is, this is Sarah Bristow and we're talking about mindfulness and yoga and you can check out all of this at growinggrounded.org. As we move forward, Sarah, in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, if that's okay. okay. Just 30 second answers are perfect. Who is one person that has influenced mindfulness in your life, Sarah? Uh, my mom. She has, um, you know, she puts, she thinks of others first all the time. She thinks, she always puts other people in front of her. And I think that she just always has this compassionate heart. And she's always thinking about what is the effect that this will have on other people. And I think that's really a good thing we can all take with us. For sure. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Sarah? I am a very emotional person and there is no hiding that. And I think if anything, mindfulness has made me realize that, that that's okay. You know, the more we shove our emotions down in our pocket, it's a funny thing that we do as a society. We tend to shove things aside and not address them and they, they come back later. You know, if we can just be transparent with them, we can be open about it. We can have that difficult conversation. It typically is better in the end. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. You've talked about it a few times. What can you tell us as a, as a summary? 
I think we forget how good it feels to just fill up our lungs with breath and exhale completely. I think of every breath when I'm being mindful and intentional as just a mini cleanse, you know, in with the new fresh air and then blow it out, making room for the new. And I think that's a metaphor for everything we do in life. We have to make space for new things, new opportunities, new relationships. And sometimes it's easy. It's as easy as just committing to saying, I'm going to be done with that. Exhale, let it go. Sarah, if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Um, let's see. I really love the mindful revolution. Um, it's, it's accessible to everyone. You know, I bought it at a thrift store a couple of years ago and I just remember thinking, Oh, mindfulness, I'm going to grab this book. But it was so fascinating because there's so many different chunks in that book that sort of speak to different people. So it's like, you know, mindful eating or mindful exercise or mindfulness in nature or, you know, mindful grieving. So you can find something in that book that relates to you. And if you just pull one or two things out of any book, you know, then consider it a win, you know, like not every book is going to be for every person. But I think if you just go into it open-minded and hoping to absorb some new information, um, you know, you're, you're always going to learn something new. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you have a book yourself, Sarah, tell us about the book that you've created. Yeah, so um, I guess it was about two years ago, my, um, my friend who I run with in the morning, she's my next door neighbor and a very dear friend of mine, and she said, I have this idea, let's make this coloring book, and I'm going to do all the illustrations, and it's going to be mandalas, mandalas, so the kid, you know, people can color them, and they're going to be animals that are also yoga poses, and you can do yoga instruction within the book. So we just sort of started putting it together. She was drawing all the animals, then she would give them to me, and I would write up, you know, the pose, whether it was dolphin, cat, cow, dog, whatever it was. And then we put together some mini sequences, um, and we did it through Amazon and through Create Space, and we created this yoga guide and coloring book. And it was just, um, it was really fun because I think that was one of the first things that made me realize, like you can really do anything, you know, like anything that you put your mind to, like, I never saw myself as being a, you know, co-creator of a book, but here we are having this book on Amazon, you know, it also made me realize that just about anybody can get things on Amazon, which is a whole nother story. Um, but we started to, you know, give the book to, you know, local bookstores and, you know, we sold it online. We sold it at little gift shows. Um, we took it to the gift store, the Atlanta history center, and they said, Hey, this looks great. We'd like to sell your book, but we'd also like to do an interactive yoga series. So I started teaching yoga at the Atlanta History Center, which is amazing because I'm from Atlanta and the History Center is just this magical, you know, piece of Atlanta that's been around for a really long time that um, it's just a really big honor to be able to say that I partner with them and, and I teach yoga on the, the lawn of the Swan Coach House, you know, so it's sort of been like an invitation to some new opportunities and, and to really connect with different people in different communities um, as, and let them use the book, share the book. It's for, you know, adults or kids. You can find it on Amazon. You can order it off my website, but it's just kind of a, a fun little thing. We're hoping to do another one with just specific to, you know, breathing techniques for um, really designed for kids, but um, we'll see when that, when we get, get that published. Right, Sarah. And your book is called Find Your Animal Side. Animal. 
Yeah. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah. Find your animal side, yoga guide and coloring books. So you can, you can search that on Amazon and it'll come right up. Find your animal side. And uh, then you can color and you can learn at the same time about yoga poses. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and the idea is that when you start to focus on what you're doing, you know, focus on that coloring, it sort of lets, lets the worries, lets the other things kind of slip away. You can really kind of hone your attention in on that one thing that you're doing. So give it a try. Yeah, for sure. So I mentioned earlier that you can be found at growinggrounded.org. How else can we reach out to you or is that the very best way? That's the best way. I'm on um, Instagram, growing underscore grounded. Um, so I do, you know, post every, every now and again, um, you know, when things sort of speak to me, I'll, I'll post it. Um, I write for my blog when I, um, I write the blog, you know, try and do it once a month or so. I think it's been a little while. And I usually do a, a newsletter that might be a monthly or it might be more seasonally, um, kind of depending on, on what all I have going on. But I love to hear from people. I love when people reach out with questions. I love, um, you know, connecting with other people who are in this wellness arena. I love speaking to groups. I can do, um, I do health coaching. And so a lot of the work that I do is, is virtual when I have clients that, you know, aren't based in Atlanta. So if you ever, you know, if anyone has any questions, never hesitate to, to reach out. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to ask if you help people through, you know, Skype or some online method like that. So it really doesn't matter where you are in the world. Is that right, Sarah? That's right. I mean, you know, just like we are here, we are connecting thousands of miles away, you know, it's, yeah. um, it really is. I think the way technology is, it makes it easier to, to have that, you know, face to face, if you will, connection. When I have the opportunity to meet with clients in person, I definitely prefer that. Um, but at the same time, I think that, you know, the way that we can, we can connect now, um, you know, if it's, if it means getting someone started on the path to wellness, then I'm all for it. Well, thank you for all you do. And thanks for being on the show, Sarah. It's been great talking with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. What a treat. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You take care, Sarah. Bye now. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, awaken with focus a 12-minute meditation just for you, recorded by me. You can be alert, focused after waking. That's what it's all about. Feel invigorated, fresh, and dynamic. Let your vibrancy feed those around you. Download this meditation to help you get going in the morning at mindfulnessmode.com slash awakenwithfocus. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.